Before we jump in today, I, I just want to go to prayer and just start this out, the, uh, going to him, because we need him to speak what it looks like for each and every one of us in here today to have freedom, to live in freedom, to walk in freedom. So let's pray. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you for the word and how you use it to speak truth into our lives. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit, how he speaks to us, that we can hear from him and that we can discern his voice uh, from the lies of the world, from the lies of other spirits that try to get in, that we can discern it through the truth of your word. And I pray that that's what we would do here today, that we would listen to your word and that we would hear your voice and discern the truth from lies. God, help us to hear your voice and your heart for your people and what it looks like to walk in freedom. Holy Spirit, just please move in this place. Fill our hearts. Help us to know that you are here and in this moment. In name pray. Amen. So th- this past week, uh, I mean, we, you know, we, it's a heavy week. Like, I, I, I still felt it all this past week, but ever since uh, the Supreme Court handed down that decision on Roe versus Wade, there's just been a heaviness in the church. Uh, for, for me as a pastor, it feels like I, I'm weighted down with, uh, you know, one of those, what do they call those special blankets? Like, you know, the, the weighted blanket. All right, uh, that's it. There's no special name for it. It's a weighted blanket. I, I've been feeling like that. Like, I, I feel like I can't breathe at times this past week uh, because of some of the heaviness that's on the church and that's on pastors. And so for me, it was really incredible to see the response uh, of the women in our church. Uh, we, we've got a, a women's ministry, and on, on the Facebook group, uh, this kind of happened organically, naturally, Holy Spirit-led, I would say. Uh, but one of them, one, one of our elders' wives, uh, prompted this discussion about this ministry called Embrace Grace. And they come alongside women with unexpected pregnancies to support them, show them love through a group that meets regularly. Uh, it connects women to the church, and it's uh, a nationwide but also local organization, uh, and they connect and operate within churches. And, and so she put this out there to our women's ministry on our Facebook group, and uh, what they're going to do, what they're looking at uh, coordinating is a group uh, that they're going to prepare love boxes to deliver to local crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, women receive these love boxes uh, upon their visit. They're able to connect to these local Embrace Grace groups. Uh, the church, we, the church, we, we can host baby showers through this ministry, uh, help disciple and support women in uh, these difficult situations. And as the church, we get to support uh, families within our own church as well that might be in one of these tough and difficult situations. Th- this is how the church should respond. Like, and by the way, this is something like, we can get excited for that. Like, thank you. Like, go ahead. Listen, come on. Like, women in the church, thank you for stepping up. Sometimes as men, we're like, we don't know what to do. Uh, We're lost, all right? Women, thank you for stepping up in this way and saying, hey, here's a need in our world. Here's a way we can step in and make a difference. This is a great thing. So the other thing weighing heavy on me is it it, it seems like the more and more uh, we go along in this world, we, we know we're in the end days. Like we are in, you are living, we are living in the end times. We don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back again. 
Uh, and, and so when you know that, when you understand that, you can start to see some things and they become a little more clear around you. But there is, let me just read it for you. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, here he is speaking to the church, John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We talked about that last week, Jeremiah 23. Go back, look at Jeremiah 23, about the false prophets that have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. It feels good to, to have the world listen to you, to put something out there. And, you know, on, on social media, we do this a lot. We see something that gets popular uh, going around social media, uh, and we think, man, this, I want to catch on to this trend because all my friends are posting this phrase or this picture or this thing over here, this flag, whatever it is, and they're getting likes and responses, and it's accepted by the world. It's really easy to see because of social media some of the trends that become popular in the world. And us as believers, we have to be discerning in what spirit we are listening to. And so sometimes we look at what's going on and we think, oh, because it's popular, because everyone's doing it, because everyone believes this, we should believe this and think this also. Satan appears as an angel of light. That's scripture. That's truth. He is a deceiver. He is, he is the master deceiver. He, he's the father of lies. Lies are not obvious and blatant. Like lies, like the best liars, they know how to just shape it a little bit, just tweak it a little bit so it kind of sounds good. It sounds like mostly the truth. Actually, my son Maverick is really good at this. He's really, you know, he's... He's really giving me a run right now. Uh, I, I was good at it. Like growing up in middle school and high school, I was so good at just like looking the part, acting the part, and telling most of the truth, but not all of it. They are from the world, and therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We, church, we, this is us, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error or the spirit of deceit. That's the other word used there. In the 1980s, this is amazing to me. In the 1980s, I just read this, and uh, they discovered, like this went to Congress, uh, that there were over 10,000 physicians in the United States that did not have actual credentials to be acting as doctors or physicians. 10,000 physicians practicing medicine in the United States in the 1980s who did not actually go to school 
or learn anything about what it takes to be a doctor or nurse or physician. 10,000. They, they discovered it. They traced it back uh, to this guy, Pedro de Mesones, who had been making, reproducing, and selling these fake credentials. And he made somewhere around like $1.5 million, which doesn't sound, doesn't sound like a lot in this economy when gas is $7. But, you know, at that time, I think that was a lot back then, okay? So 1.5 million selling to over 10,000 physicians, fake medical degrees. And so now we have to take this mindset too, where we realize, okay, if that can happen with physicians, it can def definitely happen within the church. We have to be discerning as the church between truth and lies. And that means going to the word. We talked about this last week. You, you can't look to the world for your standard of right and wrong, of what's true and what's false, because that standard is constantly changing. It's a revolving door about what's right and wrong in the world's eyes. But when you go back to truth, when you go back to the foundation, it hasn't changed, it isn't changing, it won't change. This is the only thing we can stand on. It's a firm foundation. So, now, I told you last week, I was like, I, I don't think I'm done with that 1 Corinthians 6 passage. We're going back there again. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. <laughs> Some of you are laughing. You're like, we've been in 1 Corinthians 6 for a month and a half now, Alex. Oh, no, I'll go another month and a half. I don't care. If the Lord leads me, that's where I'm going. Avoiding sexual sin. Once again, this is the perfect passage for July 4th weekend, where we celebrate our freedom as a nation. Because here's what the people in Corinth were saying. You say, I am allowed to do anything. This is what the church in Corinth was saying. I'm allowed to do anything. I'm free. All right? I got freedom. But not everything is good for you, Paul says. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. This is, I mean, once again, as a dad, I can relate. Like my kids, like, they're like, I can do that. I can stay up till 9 or 10 or 11 it's like, no, you can't, because I have to suffer the consequences the next morning. Like, you guys are not fun. Like, we just, we went to a fireworks show last night. My wife got here with the kids. She said, it is an emotional roller coaster right now. Like, we didn't get home till 11. We usually got these guys, you know, we're regimented, you know, in bed, 6.30. You can read a book, and that's it, all right? <laughs> we're mean, all right? But we got a routine. We've developed this with our kids, and they're probably thinking, like, we could do, we don't have to do this. We can do anything. It's like, okay, but this is better. It's better for everyone when you do it this way. That's what Paul is saying to the church. He's got a bunch of kids right now saying, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Our, our, our freedom once again, is a lie from the enemy. Our freedom is really slavery. When, when we start to say that we're free, we can do anything, we can live however we want, we're not really free. That slavery, that sin, it, we live in bondage to it. We are chained to it. You think you're free, but you're a slave to your sin. I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is what they were talking about. This was in reference to sexual sin in the church. And they thought so 
low of sexuality, but also so high at the same time, they missed God's intention for sex. And so some of them, they had a very low view of it. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food. Uh, they thought of it as just this natural bodily function. And so they said, hey, when I feel this, I need to go do this. And so that was sleeping with prostitutes. That was going on within the church, okay? The men in the church were going and saying, hey, I, I feel this. It's just like if I feel hungry, I'm going to go eat. If I feel this urge, I'm going to go to this prostitute over here, okay? Uh, some of you guys are like, whoa, church today. Yeah, church today, all right? Here we go. This is what Paul's talking about. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. You can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. He's the creator. He's the potter, we're the clay. We talked about that last week. He's the potter, we're the clay. Our bodies were made for the Lord. We were formed in our mother's womb. And the Lord cares about our bodies. He cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Here's something in the church. Uh, when we give our lives to Jesus, our spirit, we're, we're, we're soul, we're spirit, and we're flesh. Okay, we're three parts. Our, our spirit is saved. Our soul is being sanctified. We are in the process of being saved. Our physical bodies will be resurrected when Jesus comes back. Okay? So we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be raised new. Don't you realize that our bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. Hard exclamation point there. Never. Join it. That word right there. Here we go. Every now and then we bust out a little Greek here at Revival. Kalaho. That's the Greek word. To glue. To unite. Of course, I'm sitting here Sunday morning, and I'm thinking through my message, and I, I'm you know, texting Steph is what I do. I'm like, hey, do you got super glue? Can you bring it? All right, perfect. All right. She, you know, she's always got my back whenever I need this, okay? To glue, to unite, to cleave. That's this language here. And I thought, oh, glue. All right, let's get out some super glue. Let's see what we got here. All right, let's just, you know, I, I haven't done like a illustration in a while. I just felt like the need to do an illustration. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of super glue. That's a lot. That's all right. You know, we go through a lot of broken toys. We buy a lot of super glue, all right? Okay, let's see here. We're just going to glue these together, all right? It's like syrup just leaking out over the plate. There we go. Just gonna, I'm going to leave that right there. That's perfect, okay? To glue. In fact, one of the words is even, it's like, uh, it's almost like cement when it talks about joining together this word. In Matthew 19.5, Jesus said, and he, and he added, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined, that's that same word right there, be joined 
glued, cemented, cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And the two will become one flesh. Like, the church in Corinth had such a low view of sexuality they didn't realize this was a spiritual act, that there was a joining together, a becoming one flesh. They didn't realize that this is more complicated than just, man, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat a burrito, and then I'll feel better. No, th there's complications that come. And so when Jesus talks about sex, it is within the confines of marriage. One man one woman, husband and wife, joined together. And some people will go to the Old Testament and they'll say, but what about all these stories about all these different men that had all these multiple wives or things like that? And, you know, does the Bible promote that? No, no, no. When you read through the Old Testament, you see that most of these guys that had multiple wives, uh, their life was a mess. Like, it, it was dysfunctional. And that's what we learn a lot from the Old Testament. Before Jesus came, it's like, man, look at the darkness that people lived in and look at the damage that it caused. In fact, go, go to David. Go back and read the story of David. When you read through his life, where it went wrong was when he stayed home from war and he eyed this lady Bathsheba over on a rooftop taking a bath and, and he said, I want her, all of his men, all of his friends, they were at war doing what they should have been doing, doing what he should have been doing with them. And he desired her and he lusted after her. And so what did he do? He took her for his own wife. They joined together, even though she was not his wife. And because of that, it led to destruction within his family. In fact, when, we've talked about this before, but generational curses, generational sin, your actions, like, like sometimes people think, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't bother anyone. It doesn't affect anyone. Your actions, our sin, our choices that we make, they affect generations after us. We have to understand that because David's choice that day, it didn't just affect him. It affected his sons because one of his sons, if you keep reading on through there, one of his sons ended up, he, he knew of what his dad had done, and there was something in him that said, I, I can do the same. And so he had a sister, Tamar, and he took her and he raped her. And then he, I mean, once again, you start to see his other son, Solomon, 700 wives and concubines and, and you know, never truly satisfied, but always seeking sex to try to fill that hunger in his life. And it was dysfunctional, and you see it. It was passed on from generation to generation. The choices we make don't just affect us. We think we're free, we can do whatever we want, and it's only, you know, only me reaping the consequences. No, 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 our choices affect generations. There was a study done on mice, and these mice, they put them in this cage, and what they would do is they would put some food in there, and the food had a really strong smell. It smelled good to them. But when the mice, when they would produce that food and the mice would go to eat it, they would shock the floor of the cage. And so the mice would all jump and freak out. And, and eventually, 
they would put the food in there and it would produce that smell and they wouldn't shock the bottom of the cage anymore. But the mice were afraid of the food because every time they smelled it, they knew that they got shocked. And so they saw and they smelled the food and they started jumping. And then these mice, they had babies, okay? This is like science, all right? Science has proven a spiritual concept here. These mice had babies and these mice, they didn't put anything to shock the floor for these mice, but they put the food in there and it produced that smell again. All these babies that weren't even alive for that first round of experiments, they all start jumping and freaking out when that smell is produced. It was passed on. It was genetically encoded into their DNA. And and then those babies, they had a third generation, okay? They had a third generation. And once again, they introduced that food and that smell, but no shock, And all that third generation, they start freaking out and jumping when they smell that smell again. The choices we make now will affect generations beyond us. The choices we make now will affect generations to come. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, if we let this, you know, dry overnight, you know, once I'm, you know, once I'm ready, when I'm ready to try and pull these apart, it's not going to come apart clean. There's going to be rips, there's going to be tears, there's going to be damage that has been done. And when we treat sex, something that God created for intimacy between a husband and wife, when we treat it lightly like food, like just another bodily urge to go and take when we want, where we want, however we feel we want to take it, it leaves damage within our soul and within the souls of others. It doesn't come apart clean. There is spiritual damage and physical damage that is done when we go outside of the way he created it and intended it. Now, God is redeemer and healer, But the great thing is for anyone that is, man, you've been there, you've done that, you've lived that life, you are living that life, guess what? He's the healer. He wants to bring freedom and healing into your life. I I know from experience. I I know because I treated sex as something casual when I was younger, and I treated it as something that, man, if you want it, you go and take it, and you do what you feel like doing. But I know the healing power of his name. Man, I love that song. Like there's power in his name. There is healing in the name of Jesus. And when you start to speak truth and when you start to listen and read and let his truth enter into your life, it brings healing and transformation that only the healer can bring. That's why he came to set the captives free. That's why he came. Each and every one of us in here today, there is something that you are in slavery to. He wants to set you free. In fact, some of you, you've been believers your whole life, and you think, I'm always going to have to deal with this. I'm always going to struggle with fill in the blank. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm a healer. There's power in my name. I came to set the captives free. There is healing in the name of Jesus. You have spiritual, we talked about this, you have spiritual authority because of the name of Jesus. You can speak truth to the lies. You can take these thoughts captive. That's what Paul tells us. 
Take these thoughts, these lies from the enemy, from the demons, from the pit of hell. Take them captive and speak truth to the lies. Woof. Come on, give me some amens. Give me, no, not me. Give the Lord some because, I mean, there's just, there's so much healing and power he wants to do in people's lives. And it is weighing us down and we don't have to live this way anymore. Just help me preach his word, all right? That's what I want. Help me preach his word today because he's got something that he's going to use to set some of you free in here today. He's got stuff in here he's using to set me free again and again over and over in my life. One of these passages, here, we're getting to it right now. He used to speak truth into my life. And the more I started to say it and to speak this truth to the lies, the more it set me free from what I was chained to. Because that's really what it was. When I was living in this life, I thought I was free. I thought, man, I, I don't need the church. I don't need truth. I don't need scripture. Uh, all I need is you know, salvation insurance because I, I, I'm free to do what I want. I got grace covering me. That was my attitude as a believer. I, I, I took the, the sacrifice of Jesus very lightly. And I said, well, it's great. My, my, his grace, it covers me so I can live how I want to live. I was a Corinthian, okay? I was. I was a Corinthian and the worst kind. And so I would do what I want when I wanted what, however I felt like I needed. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? I didn't realize that. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her, one flesh. The scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run. He's got an exclamation point here. I got to give it a little bit more than that. Run from sexual sin. Flee from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? This was my verse right here. Uh, when I found this, all of a sudden it was like, it, it was like I was, I was blind and then I could see, all right? He healed me. I was blind. I was living blind to the truth of God's word. And all of a sudden, it hit me. It hit me that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me and was given to me by God. You do not belong to yourself. We think we're free. We can do whatever we want. No, no, no. Paul reminds us, you do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. That's what Jesus did. When, that sacrifice that he made on the cross, God paid that price to buy us back. He, he, he paid that price to buy you back because he loves you. You were worth that price. In his eyes, he looked at you and he said, you're worth this price. That's a crazy price. When I read that and, and I heard that and I realized I had been, and for me, like I, I, I'd been spitting 
Like, I, I, I've been spitting on the ground that Jesus walked on and saying, I don't want anything to do with you. I, your sacrifice, it means nothing to me. I, I looked at the Father and I said, it, it, it's meaningless. I, I, I don't care. I don't care about your love for me. It, it hit me. Like, I, I thought I was a strong Christian, strong believer. Like, oh, I'm saved by grace. It's great. It's like, no, no, no. I'd been spitting at the gift that God had given me. And I disregarded the price he had paid. First John, chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who practices, everyone who makes a practice of sinning, also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Let's get ready to close this. There's a lot there. Like, like if you're taking notes today, write this one down. Go back to this one later. 1 John 3, 4 through 10. Everyone who, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. That's one of the reasons when we came up we didn't come up with it. Like, <laughs> the name Revival, when God gave us the name Revival, and we started thinking and processing through what it looks like to live in Revival, it eventually, it finally hit me. Revival can't start unless there's repentance. That's why when you go to our website or when you come here on a Sunday morning, you're going to hear us talk about this. But we say Revival, it begins with repent. Repent, and then you revive. And then he teaches you how to thrive. But it all begins with repentance, acknowledging our sin, coming before him and saying, I, I know I've been living this way, but I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to walk and abide in the freedom you're calling me into. I, I want to live righteously like the way you have created me for. I want to walk in obedience to your word. I don't want to abuse your grace anymore. We've all been there as believers. We've all done that. We can all say an amen to that. Yes, I know that I've abused your grace and I've gone on sinning and I've gone on practicing sin over and over. In fact, I've gone on saying that sin isn't sin. I've tried to make my own truth and that's what we do when we listen to the world instead of the word. We try to decide what is right and what is wrong but only his word 
Only his word do we find the answers to right and wrong, to truth and to lies. Whatever lies you've been living in, man, this is a day to find freedom. This is a day to, to repent, to turn back to him and say, God, I'm yours. You're my father. You paid the price. Everything I am belongs to you. I'm yours. And he says, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. There's freedom in submission. We, we look at the church and we say it's restrictive. We say, oh, it's not fun. They got all these rules. They got all these laws. We don't want to be a part of that. And he says, no, 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 no. My yoke is easy and light. You can truly walk in freedom when you submit to me because you're not really free in the world. You're a slave to the world. And that burden will weigh you down all the way to the grave. It will weigh you down thinking that I am free and I can do what I want and it will take you all the way to the grave. And there's no life and there's no freedom there. But there's power in the name of Jesus and there's healing that he wants to bring today. Let's stand up, church. Let's get ready to worship. Find somebody and talk to them today. Just tell them, hey, I, I've been struggling. I, I've been battling this. I, I've been living this way, but I, I want to turn back to him. Our, our prayer team is always over here uh, when we're here at the JCC, but they, they meet over here. If you guys want prayer today, if you want to just talk with somebody, if you want somebody to pray over the battles you've been fighting on your own, because when you start to bring that to others, man, there's power in the church. There's power in other believers coming together and praying for each other. He wants to bring healing into your life this morning.